And this literally has the potential to change the direction, the trajectory of your life. Here it is. Uh, at Bethany, I just, I'll say it again and again. We are here to help everyone find God's beautiful purpose for their life and to help you avoid as many regrets as possible in the future. So fast forward to the end of your days, whenever that is, okay? Because at Western, uh, my full-time job, I'm the foundation director there, I work with a lot of people, a lot of donors who are in the, let's say, the sunset of their years, right? And a lot of the people that I meet and get to know and talk to are thinking this, and they actually say this, I wish I had done more things that would live on after I'm gone. I wish I had done more things that would live on after I'm gone. And that is one thing that you and I can do something about now and avoid. That's a regret. We want to make sure that we check our lives out now so that that doesn't happen, right? So we're going to ask ourselves some questions. Number one, if my life was to end right now, what do, what do I have to show for it? Number two, have I wasted my years or have I done things that will last far beyond when I'm gone? How about, have I lived a life of great busyness or one of great meaning? Did I just keep moving in circles or did I really make a difference? Finally, how would God answer those questions about my life? So that's who we want to press in on. And as we do, I want you to ask yourself, what if God created you for and saved you for, if you are a uh, follower of Jesus Christ, for far greater things, for far more, for more powerful, for more meaning, for more impact, for greater things than you or I have ever been brave or courageous enough to ask, dream, or imagine? What if? What if? And that's what we're going to talk about today. If God is going to create us for greater things, then you and I have to be set free from lesser things. So that's what we're talking about, getting set free from lesser things in our lives. And as we do that, we're going to talk about four things as we go through this morning. Number one, God created you for and calls you to a life of greater things. Number two, you and I tend to prefer and choose lesser things. Three, we'll look at how Jesus is greater for us in our place. And, and because of that, number four, how can we change our lives from lesser to greater things? So here we go. Number one, God created you for and calls you to a life of greater things. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, um, this is so big, so big that we need your spirit to speak through your word into your people's hearts. Lord, open our eyes, open our hearts, and as you speak, let us hear, receive, and respond. Lord, because we believe that you created us for greater things, and we want to remove, we want you to remove all the obstacles that keep us from believing that and living that. No matter what they are, we know you can. 
for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So God created you for and calls you to a life of greater things. Jesus started this whole conversation in the Gospel of John. Here's what Jesus said. Truly, truly. Now, he doesn't stutter. So whenever he says this, it's like, listen up. This is the truth. Take this to the bank. I say to you, whoever believes in me, and that is many of us, right, will also do the works that I do. And what? Greater works than these will he do, will she do. If you have your worksheets, I want you to underline greater works than these will he do, will she do. Because I am going to the Father, and whatever you ask, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Did you get that? If you are not stunned, amazed, and absolutely thrilled, and a little bit terrified, and convicted, then you did not fully get that. That's pretty amazing. That is pretty amazing. Jesus is talking about you if you believe in him. You, if you're a follower of him. He is saying, you know all the things I did during my life? Yeah, you're going to do them. Because I'm going to the Father, I'm going to do them again in and through you. I created you for greater things. For greater things, not lesser things. Not normal life. I got something else in mind for you. I'm going to move supernaturally in and through your life, in every area of your life, in every relationship of your life and every desire of your life, and your life is going to be unexplainable except for the supernatural intervention of God Almighty. That's the life he calls us to. He goes on in the Gospel of Mark. He says this, And these signs will accompany those who believe. These miraculous signs. Because you have surrendered your life to Jesus, he has made his home in you, you will be a person whose life drips with the miraculous. You will not live a normal life by any means. Your life will be supernatural. In my name, they will cast out demons. Okay, what does this mean? That means in Jesus' power, living in you, you can now overpower all the evil forces that are at work in the world, in your marriage, in your heart, in your family, in your children, in your workplace, on your team, at your school, you have more power. You have, there is no reason for fear. There is no reason for pride. You have that power in him to overcome evil. Watch the news. We, we know how much evil there are, is in the world. That which is in you is greater than that. That's the truth. He goes on. In my name, they will speak in new tongues. Now, we go, we get this all twisted up, all twisted. Like, we got to learn a new language, and we got to speak in a prayer. God bless you if you speak in tongues. But all of us, regardless, if, if Jesus lives in you, you can speak to people in their circumstances, in their language, and say, I heard you. I, I heard them. You can speak. You can cut through. You can speak their language, and, and Jesus will, will give it, Give it understanding. They will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. This is not one of those churches. We're going to pick up a cobra. We're going to swing around our head while I swig antifreeze as a magic trick. 
No. No. What this means is ain't nothing bad going to happen to you to end your life that should end your life until I'm done with your life and I call you home. Right? There are countless people sitting here who can testify to the fact that until Jesus calls you home, you are bulletproof. It doesn't matter what happens to you. It doesn't matter what bad has been planned against you by, by evil, by other people. Nothing bad happens to you until Jesus says it's time for you to go home. This testimony, I get, you can talk to people. They will tell you stories. When I was 12 years old, I, um, we lived on a hill. I rode my 10-speed, very cool at the time, down, uh, down the hill uh, and down the hill on the street. I was hit head-on by a car going 20 miles an hour. I was going at least that fast. Flew over the car. By the time my mom heard about it and ran down the street, they were drawing a chalk line around my body. It did not work. Okay, when I was 45 years old, I was pastoring here. I got an infection in my bloodstream, sepsis, and my organs started to shut down. Did not work. Three and a half years ago, my brain was bleeding for like six weeks before they could figure out what was going wrong. Did not work. Okay? You know that the power of God will keep you until the presence of God calls you home. And until then, you are bulletproof. And they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. You will be able to pray in faith in the name for the glory of Jesus. And the natural course of things will be changed whether that be illness, whether that be finances, whether that be your circumstances, whether that be a threat, you will have prayer that has impact. And some of you are saying, I've been praying for it. Keep going. Keep going. And if it doesn't turn, God will use it. Prayer doesn't make us God, but it accesses the power of God for the will of God, for the glory of God. And in that, you will see things that are utterly unexplainable. Okay, that's what Jesus is saying. He says, he goes on throughout scripture. He says, you are the light of the world. You will be the light in a dark world. You will be the way that people see my light. You, you will be the salt of the earth for a, 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 to keep the world from decaying and rotting to preserve it. You will be the salt in a world that is craving the taste of God's flavor, right? That's the ultimate bam, right? That's you. That's you in the world. You are salt. You are light. You are made for greater things. These are just some of the greater things that Jesus says he has created you for, he has saved you for. Paul and Silas and a bunch of Jesus posse, right, after his resurrection, they go into Thessalonica and, and there's a mob scene. It's like the purge, like they're after these guys because, um, so they hide in this guy's, Jason's house. And the mob says this, these men, these women who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Have turned the, do you not think that the spirit of God who indwelt those early believers, who allowed them to turn the world upside down, 
has not also put that same spirit in you to turn your marriage upside down, to turn your children upside down, turn your family upside down, in the best sense of the word. To turn your workplace upside down, turn your team upside down, turn your school upside down, turn this town upside down, turn the university upside down. Absolutely he has. Absolutely he has. We're talking about greater things, greater things, marriage saving, family transforming, church reviving, town healing, world changing things. It's inside of you. It's what you're called to. It's what you're created for. It's what you're saved for. That sounds great, but I can't do it. I know. Neither can I. But God can. God is able. God is able. God is able. I praise him for he is more than able to do far more than we could ask or imagine. Far more abundantly. That is the power of God in you. That is what we're talking about. Check this out. The biggest obstacle is not the Holy, whether the Holy Spirit is able to do greater things through you. Absolutely he is. The biggest obstacle is you and me believing that God actually wants to and will do greater things through, through you, through me. You say, I'm, I'm not worthy of that. Good. That's the first qualification that you know, that you can't do it, that you're an odd pick, right, for his team. I'm an odd pick. So are you. Don't laugh. But when we say we can't, say he can and he will. Praise God. Okay. That was the first point. Number two, and here's the shame of it, but it's true of me, it's true of you. We prefer and we choose lesser things, not those greater things. There's a guy named Ben Nemton, who I don't want you to remember his name. Um, he's coming to speak. I'm sure he's a nice guy. He's coming to speak in Crested Butte sometime this summer. Ben has been on every major network. He's done a TED Talk. He's been on Oprah. He has sold a New York Times bestseller number one book. He and three friends from Canada, he's a young guy, are going around, uh, very famous, and um, like we do here at Bethany, he says that he would like for you, he would like to reduce your regrets in life. And, and I, I believe him. I would agree with him there, right? He probably does. But here's his here's his take. Here's his uh, here's his teaser. At the end of your life, Ben says, the things you will most regret are not the things you've done but the things you haven't done, right? And I, I might agree with him there, except for the fact that I've met a lot of us, and I know that we regret some of the things we've done. Okay, so here is Ben's take. Here's where Ben and Jesus and Ben and me go different directions. Ben says the way to live without regrets is to make the most radical bucket list possible, at least 100 items and commit to actually doing these things. That's the magic wisdom that millions upon millions of people are buying this book saying, yes, yes, this is what's missing. For, like, he gives you examples of stuff on his list. 
that he has actually done, like helping deliver somebody else's baby. If you're not a doctor or a midwife, this requires the cooperation of a person who's not too bright to let you in there. Okay, he has done this. Seeing the Great Pyramids from the back of a camel. Okay, might be cool. Sing the national anthem in front of a packed stadium. Do a comedy sketch with Will Ferrell. Has done it. Describes what that's like. These are not bad things, except for maybe delivering a baby that you're not qualified to deliver. <laughs> not bad things. What these are are lesser things. But millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of people that we know. And if you own the book, don't raise your hand. It's okay. <laughs> Believe this. The way to make your life count is to do all the exciting and entertaining, self-centered things you want to do before you die. Let me save you money buying the book, going to see him. Listen, here is what the summary is. He says, if you want no regrets, you've got to do more exciting experiences, which leads to a better highlight reel for your life, which leads to a fuller life. That is the lie of the bucket list. It doesn't matter how big your bucket is. It doesn't matter how much stuff you put in it. That is the lie of the bucket list. There is nothing new about this. Look, what Solomon said is there is nothing new in the world. It's all old junk repackaged. That's what he's saying. In fact, King Solomon wrote a book 3,000 years ago that said, I had the biggest bucket ever. I filled it with more stuff than you could ever afford or try to do. And I got news for you. He disagrees with Ben. He says it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It will leave you empty. But read his book, Ecclesiastes. Read that. Here's a summary of what he says. He says, a life filled with entertaining and thrilling lesser things will always be empty. Hey, baby, I'm making memories. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. But God created you to touch eternity in the lives of other people, to change things forever. Not just stuff you experienced or saw or did. And Jesus says, hey, look, I got a different way. Don't cross the globe. Don't spend all your money. Don't spend all your time looking for something that only I provide. That's called wasting your life. And you can be told a hundred times, don't touch the hot stove, you'll burn yourself. Everybody you've ever seen, ever, everybody you've ever heard of or, or known has touched the hot stove and has burned themselves. Do not need to touch the hot stove to burn yourself. Because this is not a momentary thing. This is a life wasted. And Jesus says, I got, I got a better way because the world without me is always trying to make sense of life and joy, and purpose, and meaning. But I am life, and joy, and purpose, and meaning. So you remove me from it, it makes no sense. Here's my way. No regrets. You want no regrets? Then you do, do greater things with me. 
through me. That gives you eternal significance, which leads to ultimate fulfillment and ever-increasing eternal life. That is a life with no regrets. But most of us, most of us, even those of us who claim and are followers of Jesus Christ, agree with Ben more than we agree with Jesus. And how do we know? Because of our lives because of what we crave, because of what we think is missing, because of what we think will make the difference, because of what we chase. And here's the truth. The question is not, can Jesus do greater things than and through us? He can and he will. The question is, do we really want him to? Or would we rather entertain ourselves to death? Really, that's the question. He will. He is ready, willing, and able. Do we want it? Or would we rather, you know, go ice climbing on the highest glacier of the... Yeah, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not going to do it for you. That's not going to do it for you. Let's look at what Jesus said again. We'll see another way to get along. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, she do, because I'm going to the Father. And here's the thing we remember, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And we latch onto that. Whatever we ask in his name, I'm just going to start praying in the name of Jesus. And that's not like a PS to our prayers. Sometimes that means... I'm praying in the authority of Jesus, for the will of Jesus, in the power of Jesus, right? Not, not trying to cash in the God card for what I need, right? So this is what we do. The second way we choose lesser things is we get the what right, but we get the who wrong, right? Let's look at the condition of this promise. It's right at the end, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, Jesus the things you are praying in his name are so that God can be made much of. Not so that I can be made much of. Not so that you can be made much of. Not so that our lifestyle might be a little bit more cushy. No, it's so that God may be shown to be as great as he is in the lives of people who are watching. That's it. If we choose to do a greater thing, if you choose to do a greater thing for your own glory, it becomes a lesser thing. If you choose to do a lesser thing for the glory of God, it becomes a greater thing. It's all about the who. Did you see that? The who you're doing it for is as important or more important than the what you're doing, provided it's not illegal or immoral. Do you get me? You could take a lesser thing and do it for the glory of God. It becomes a greater thing. You could take a greater thing and do it for the glory of you, and it becomes a lesser thing. So, so, so who is that who that you do everything that you do in your life for? Let me suggest it's either for yourself, for the opinion of other people, or for the glory of Jesus Christ. Those are, those are the, th you know, the, you're going to get 99.9% .9 of the people with those three options. 
either yourself, the opinion of other people, or the glory of God. Who is the who? Let's dissect our dreams. Let's dissect our prayers, okay? What is that dream that you have um, that you've always had or you just got it on your heart? I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's bad. What is that? What do you pray for, like consistently? What is that dream that you have? Okay, I want you to think about it. I want you to dissect that dream. I want you to ask this question against that dream. In the end, can you personally disappear from that and that dream is just as glorious? In the end, can you disappear from that dream and it is just as glorious? That will tell you. That will tell you whether it is a greater thing or a lesser thing. Because if if you have to be in that front, center, and in the spotlight, it is a lesser thing. If you could be involved or not involved, but this happens and you could disappear and it's all about God being glorified, then that's a greater thing. Let me make this personal. Every day, I pray and I plead for the Book of Acts style Holy Spirit revival for this town and this university. I've done that for years. And I'm not saying that so you will think much of me. I, I just do that, right? About five years ago, I don't hear God audibly, but this is one of those things he just lays it on your heart and ain't no question about who said it or what it said. He said, okay. Okay, Tom, I get that you want this town and this university to come to me. I get that. But what if no one ever knew that you had anything to do with it? How much do you still want it? Do you want to see revival for my glory? Or do you want to lead revival for your glory? That's the difference between a lesser thing greater thing and nobody is fooling God sometimes we get the what right but we get the who wrong the great trap of American consumeristic Christianity is that we we want to have both say I've always had this dream I've always had this desire I've always had this vision hey and now I have Jesus So now I'm going to get Jesus to make my dream come true. Do you see what that's doing? Have you ever done that? In the words of a a much wiser pastor than I, Chip Ingram, he said this, Jesus is not the means to the end. Jesus is the end. He, 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 He is the end. So it's not that I have a dream and I have Jesus now, and I'm going to get Jesus to make my dream come true. Here's the truth. The fact is, Jesus has a dream, and he wants to use you to make it come true. Do you see? Do you see how we flip it? See how we get it wrong? That's a great trap. So number three, how did Jesus... Whoa. Yeah, we should do this next week. We'd be eating at 2 o'clock. How, how, how is Jesus greater for us? He is greater in our place. Here's the truth. He said this, greater love has no one than this, 
that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life for you. Greater things, greater things require greater love. And no one has ever had or ever will have greater love for you than Jesus Christ. Because the most valuable life in all the universe, in all of eternity, in all of history, traded his life for your life when your life was the least valuable. What do you mean when it was the least valuable? Scripture says that when you and I were at our worst, when our price tag was the lowest, when we were sinning the most, Christ died for us, traded his life. When we were at our worst, he loved us best. That's the greater love. And you and I will never have a greater, greater love or a greater, greater thing done for us than that. Jesus was greater in our place. He was greater in our place in this. The night he was betrayed, he was praying, you know, the, the great sweating drops of blood. He's praying to the Father. He says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished all the work that you gave me to do. I, I loved you completely. I surrendered to you completely. I served you without reserve. I sacrificed utterly. I loved you perfectly. I spoke eloquently. I, I loved, I served, I healed, I did all that you sent me to do. And at the end, he said, it is finished. He didn't say, it is incomplete. It is finished. I did it all. How many of us would like at the end of our days for that to be said about our lives? Here's the thing. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that is true of you now. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you trusted on his finished work on the cross, his resurrection, what happened there, we understand the first part generally pretty well, that our sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven. But we think that he cleaned our slate and left us with a blank slate. No, he did clean our slate, but he didn't leave us with a blank slate. It is called the great exchange. Not only does he take our sin, he credits to every believer his perfect record of righteousness. On your record is this, I glorified you on earth having accomplished all the work you gave me to do. On your record in heaven forever is Jesus Perfect righteousness, all that he did, credited to your account in eternity. That's how beautiful God is. That's how much he loves you. He wipes your slate clean, but he doesn't leave it blank. He credits to you his righteousness. So if you and I have that perfect record of righteousness because of Jesus, how about we start living that out? On earth. So here's the last part. How do we change our lives from lesser to greater things? We're going to move quick. Hey, know that Jesus' power lives inside of you. This is scripture. Paul writes, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power. For who? For us who believe him, in him. This is, what kind of power is that? Glad you asked. Here it is. 
This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead when all evil was pressing down. No, that same spirit, that same power is inside of you, is Jesus is inside of you, which is if you belong to him. It is there. That is power. Boom. Max it out. Number two, pouring into people to point them to Jesus is the greatest thing. How do we know this? God tells us. He said, for God, Jesus said this, for God so loved the world. Did he love the planet? What's he talking about there? No, he's talking about the people. For God so loved all people that he gave his only son. He's speaking of himself. So she, he should know that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Pointing people you love, pointing people you know, pointing people you play with, work with, come in contact with, to Jesus Christ for their salvation, for their healing, for their blessing, for their uh, comfort, whatever it is, is the greatest thing. Why? Because people are eternal. And when you pour into an eternal person to point them to an eternal God, to have a relationship with him so that they can enjoy now and in eternity his eternal love, which defies description, that changes eternity. My friend, that is worth tens of thousands of millions of buckets. It's crazy. Okay, that's a great thing. You can adapt Jesus' formula for greater things. Here's his formula. He says, I tell you the truth. The son, he's talking about himself, can do nothing by himself. So do nothing by yourself, right? He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. So you can find out what God is doing and join him in doing it. Henry Blackaby, that's an old truth from, um, what was it? Um, what's that? Yeah, experience of God. Yeah, that's like 30 years old, but it's true. Find out what God's doing. Join him in doing it. So here's how you can adapt it. Your formula of life of greater things is do nothing without Jesus. Not easy things, not hard things, not fun things, not, not, not distasteful things, not mundane things. Do nothing without him. Your only agenda is your full, constant, joyful surrender to God's will and God's glory done in God's power. Then do only what you see Jesus doing. And you're going to do greater things. That's what's going to happen. Okay, let's move on. Turn lesser things into greater things. We talked a little bit about that, didn't we? Right? It says whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do it all. It's all about the who. Who are you doing it for? If you're doing it for him, it's a greater thing. If you're doing it for yourself, if you're doing it for other people's approval, it's a lesser thing. So you want to do great. Whatever means everything. Leverage everything in your life. Your car, your house, your money, your time, your bank account, whatever you got, your work, your talents, your abilities, your leverage it all for the glory of God. And your life will be in him. Greater things. You say, well, if I do that, what about the, the rest of my life? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? And all of, say it with me, all of these 
things will be added unto you. You make my agenda your agenda and I'll take care of the other things in your life. You care about what I care about and I'll take care of everything that affects me. If any of us trust Jesus that way, I want some more. I want to take that next step. We can turn lesser things into greater things. A couple more and we'll go. Do everything to his glory because your life will never be greater than the greatness of Jesus in your life. Second to last, ask God for his vision for your life until he shows it to you. This is huge. If, you, if you've been dozing, this is the time to wake up. Ask God for his vision of your life until he shows it to you. I wrote out a prayer. Make this yours. God, I want to know and live your vision for my life and not my vision for my life. Because here's the thing. God has given you power for his vision for your life, not for your vision for your life. You say, I don't have the power to do this. Well, he has the power. But if you still don't have the power, it's because it's your plan, not his plan. On the flip side of your worksheet, on the prayer calendar, like here's how we roll. Every prayer, every day, every scripture is going deeper in what we talked about today. Because I would have to, we would have to be together for hours and hours, but this is your chance to keep going, keep going, go deeper. But ask God, I want you to know, I want to know your vision for my life, not my vision for my life. Finally, keep focused on Jesus. The writer of Hebrews says this, we look to Jesus, who is the founder and author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. I want you to underline the joy that was set before him. Endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the greatest, great, greater thing. And here's how to bring it home. You are. You. You with him now and forever. You are the joy that was set before him. And he said, that's worth it. That is the greatest, greater thing that will ever be done to you. And until you realize that you are the reason, you won't ever think that he loves you enough to do greater things through you for his glory. Okay? Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Jesus will last. And Ben says, you will regret not the things that you've done, but the things that you've not done. Make sure that does not include greater things. Because that's what you were made for. Don't let anything We are going to celebrate 